Good afternoon and welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you join us online or here in the studio as well, we have a great audience uh, for this discussion. Our topic today is packaging and packaging waste regulation. How can we make it work? If you're joining us uh, online, uh, you'll see uh, information in just a second. For uh, Twitter, you can use hashtag EADebates. We encourage you to send uh, questions. There we go on Slido, hashtag packaging. The studio audience as well, uh, if you can send your questions using hashtag packaging on Slido, uh, we'll be bringing those questions to the panel throughout the course of the discussion, not just at the end. So you can get started on that right now, and uh, we'll bring uh, uh, our panel uh, the questions very soon. So uh, it's uh, open Slido, I use the QR code there to scan it, and hashtag packaging. So this uh, talk about in November 2022, the European Commission proposed revising the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive with the objective of reducing the negative environmental impacts of packaging and packaging waste while also improving the functioning of the internal market. This revision aims to prevent the generation of packaging waste, reduce its quantity and promote reuse and refill. It also seeks to ensure that all packaging on the EU market will be recyclable in an economically viable way by 2030 while increasing the use of recycled plastics in packaging. One of the measures proposed is a focus on targets for packaging waste reduction at the member state level and mandatory reuse targets for economic operators for selected packaging groups. Some stakeholders say there are aspects of the proposed revision requiring further development to ensure effective implementation. Joining us to discuss the proposed revision uh, to the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive, uh, we have with us Aurel Chibano, uh, who's the Director of uh, Circular Economy at DG Environment, European Commission. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Elena uh, Mastanto-Yuono, a member of the Employers Group at the European Economic and Social Committee. Uh, Marco Musso is Policy Officer on Fiscal Reform for Circular Economy and Carbon Neutrality at uh, EEB, it was European Environmental Bureau. Stephen Russell, Director General of ANEC, and Lenny Despoto, Director General of FEFCO. Thanks so much for joining us. We also had expected to have Niels Torvalds, a member of the European Parliament, with us today. He wasn't able to join us, but he has sent us this short video clip. Hello. I have a lot of questions here. I probably don't know, know all the answers, even if that would be wonderful, of course. Can recycling solve all the problems? No. What's the practical and policy differences between recycling and, and uh, reusing packaging? That's a very complicated question. Why? Well, it's a question of materials. It's a question of uh, the goods. It's a question of transport. And it's a question of the transport uh, or the processes in the, in the, in the, in the, in the whole chain. So there are no easy answers, and that's probably the most problematic thing we have here. Because if you then go into the impact assessment, probably you love it, but the in impact assessment doesn't solve the, the issues. It, there's a lot of questions, and then you have some really bad answers in the impact assessment. So therefore, what we from the very beginning started to think of, would it be better to sort of shrink the proposal, sort of take away things that has to do with upstream uh, production chains, and then you have the, the similar problem in the downstream production chains, so that you should sort of make something which is more a solution on the principal uh, stage or the principal level. And then 
and that's probably the, the, the real point, then we should trust the industry. If you don't trust the industry, if, you don't, if the system doesn't trust you, then you will have a lot of different regulations and demands which you can't actually uh, meet. So trust, I think, has from the very beginning been the, the centerpiece in, in any functioning society. So if there is trust that you are doing as well as you can and that you take into account the different circumstances you have in different countries and in different, different parts of the industries, then we might be able to find a solution which is actually then working in, in practice, which is what we should be doing. If we don't do things for the practice, reducing to for something for, for sort of a, a construction we have here in our head, then we might be on the wrong track, and I would be, like to be there. So I hope uh, you find solutions in your practical life, and I hope the best for you. Thanks. Uh, thanks to uh, Niels Torvand uh, for that. I noticed there's a magician in the background. Um, I don't think this issue is quite as complex requiring magic. But let's hear from each of our uh, panelists. Now, 60 seconds for your opening remarks. Or else you can kick off. Yeah, I hope that MEP Torvalds, who wished us success, will be part of the solution. Now, uh, the European Commission has brought forward this legislative proposal for two major uh, reasons. Because we have seen over the past 10, 15 years a decoupling between economic growth and the generation of uh, waste, packaging and packaging waste, with these uh, having a steeper increase than the um, economic or uh, geographic uh, uh, development in uh, Europe, and this is unacceptable. 40% of the plastics and 50% of the paper in the EU are used for packaging, exerting immense pressure on our limited natural uh, resources. And secondly, we have seen a failure uh, of the efficiency of the directive adopted in 1994 uh, on packaging and packaging waste with economic operators across sectors and across the European Union facing uh, raising uh, obstacles uh, between member states in the free circulation of uh, packaging and of packaging uh, waste. So we needed to uh, address these issues and we have addressed them in a comprehensive approach starting with the design for recycling, with the prevention of waste, with uh, um, packaging minimization, recycling uh, reuse. Uh, I would like to say that even if for some sectors of the industry or some economic operators rather, some of these measures are controversial, we need to look at the global effectiveness and capacity to deliver results, economic results and environmental uh, results and look, uh, in, continue to look in a holistic way um, uh, to these uh, aspects. And I would like to say that most, if not all, almost all uh, of the solutions, uh, regulatory solutions brought forward in this legislative proposal are inspired from practice. They exist in operation in one or more member states uh, currently, so they are tested in practice and they deliver results. So we should not upset this. Uh, there is room for fine-tuning, but not for disruption, segmentation, taking out the upstream aspects, or leaving this proposal uh, operate only at the level or uh, incorporate only principles. The worst, one of the worst things which could happen 
is to have a regulation which is only based on major principles and without clarity as to the operational uh, rules. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mr. Elena. Thank you very much, Honorable Chuan. To fit into 60 seconds, I will have four introductory remarks. So with the economic growth, we consume more, we're doing better, but we also produce more waste. And I think it's correct to think about how to reduce the packaging waste and actually how to prevent it. But I think that all actors on the market should be responsible for doing, for doing so. Not only businesses, it should not lie on, on the shoulders of businesses. Me as a consumer, I should think how to uh, reduce the packaging waste. The second thing is the way how we should reduce the packaging uh, waste should uh, be sorted out locally. I think that member states should decide which way they want to go because it doesn't make sense if uh, I need to refill a product that I transported to the other side of the country or to another country. We have to look at the entire environmental footprint uh, because as I said, it doesn't make, uh, make sense. A uh, third thing is that the businesses need certainty and predictability if they don't have concrete criteria, if uh, the targets are changing constantly. Of course, we will have lose the momentum for investments and for innovation. So I don't think it's a good way uh, of approaching uh, the regulation with this trial and error method saying, okay, look, we suggest this, but if it doesn't work in, in the future, we might change it. So it's not a good, good way how to regulate. Fourth thing, it's that the health of consumers should not prevail the environmental aspects. Some materials cannot be recycled indefinitely or reused indefinitely. And we, we can run a risk of contamination of, or release of um, some substances that are harmful to human beings. So for this, we need deeper analysis. And I think it was said also, the impact assessment uh, should really bring the answer to this, did, but it didn't. And I think we have to measure twice, cut once. Thank you. Marco. Thank you. <clears throat> so indeed, packaging waste is on the rise. And as we all know, it's actually growing faster than our GDP uh, growth. So I'm kind of showing that we are not on the right path. We are actually becoming increasingly wasteful in the way we transport and handle and, and consume uh, our product. And as also we all know, it's projected to grow by another 20% only over the next seven years in case we don't actually intervene in a serious and credible way. Also, perhaps just to set the scene, we have to acknowledge that this rapid rise is driven by our addiction to disposable throwaway packaging solution. And to tackle this uncontrolled growth of packaging waste and also the related environmental impacts, which have to do with emissions, with uh, resource use, with water, pollution, also biodiversity loss, we actually cannot and must not ignore the upstream solutions. So um, this means that we need effective rules at few levels to prevent the production and consumption of packaging as much as possible wherever this is possible. And to get practical, as we've been invited to do, this means measures, binding measures in the packaging and packaging waste regulation to prevent excessive and avoidable packaging and to scale up well-designed reuse systems. Packaging waste is also a crisis of overconsumption and overexploitation of resources, which are too often uh, inefficiently used and uh, put into short-lived throwaway application. As we have heard, the packaging sector is one of the main users of uh, uh, virgin materials uh, in the EU. 
but also we know that our consumption and our production habits are clearly exceeding the planetary boundaries already today, and this is true for all materials. This makes it urgent for the packaging and packaging waste regulation to actually address resource use, resource consumption for all the packaging materials. It's also important when revising the EU packaging rules to recognize that all the packaging materials come with their respective impacts. And this is why it's so important that this law doesn't just aim to drive simple material substitution, for example, from single-use plastics to single-use paper-based application, but actually uh, sets Europe and also all our value chain in the way of a genuine circular economy. So focusing on prevention and reuse as a way to, uh, to achieve this packaging waste prevention. I think I will leave it at this for now. Thank you, Mark. And, uh, thank you. I look forward to the, to the discussion. Yeah. Stephen. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, I think for the consumer, the 1994 directive has disappointed. What we now need is an effective regulation for the good of society and for the environment, and one in particular that addresses the chemicals in packaging waste, because that's something on which the proposal is quite silent for the moment. A recent report, I think in April, uh, by the journalists that investigate Europe, showed the average European consumer produces 35 kilograms in plastic packaging waste annually and alone. That's without any other type of packaging waste. Much of this ends up in landfills or incinerators, and if we continue as we are, we will see a further 19% increase in overall packaging waste by 2030, and a 46% increase in plastic packaging waste. Now, not only do plastics contain carcinogenic components from the oil and gas used to make them, but their very manufacture and disposal uh, contributes to climate change. If we continue as we are, then the uh, development and disposal of plastic packaging waste will contribute to 15% of global CO2 emissions by 2050. Consumers want change. As I said at the beginning, the directive has disappointed. Uh, a survey for our big sister organization, uh, Bayok, showed four in five consumers are concerned at the impact of food packaging waste on their environment, while nine out of ten wanted strict rules to actually stop such impacts. We need this regulation and we need it to be ambitious. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Eleni. Yes, good afternoon, everybody, and uh, thank you very much for being here. Um, I'm delighted uh, to have this discussion this afternoon with you and all the participants. Um, I represent FEFCO. For those who do not know FEFCO, we do represent uh, the corrugated cardboard packaging manufacturers, the European ones, and of course, we are very much concerned and we are following uh, intensively the PPWR uh, revision. Uh, I would like to be clear from the beginning that we do support the objectives of the PPWR because we believe uh, that it has the potential to bring uh, uh, packaging waste in a certain and uh, sustainability further beyond to a, to a next level. Uh, and we do support, of course, and we welcome the European Commission uh, proposal. So, needless to say that packaging um, has a, a role, a functionality uh, to protect goods uh, and then uh, to store and sell them. 
And um, speaking about corrugated cardboard that I represent, uh, this is a highly sustainable product, um, which already embedded in a circular economy um, fully. So um, there is already a very well-established recycling system in Europe, which enables, in fact, uh, one of the highest recycling rates, notably in some cases we reach more than 90% of recycling rates of the corrugated cardboard packaging, um, and with recycled content 89%. So here I would like, if you allow me, to react a bit on what has been said by Mr. Dordea and Mr. Musso regarding uh, natural resources, that we use natural resources for our packaging. In fact, when you have 89% of recycled content, then you need only 11% to fulfill from fresh or new fibers in order to produce a new packaging. So this comes again and again in a cycle, and then you reuse your fibers again and again. So uh, the argument that we use natural resources, yes, it comes, we come from a renewable source, certainly, but uh, we don't uh, use the natural resources for the entire uh, packaging uh, content. So, uh, of course, we're fully aware about the waste hierarchy and putting uh, rep um, preparation for use higher than recycling. However, we believe that uh, there is a bias in the proposal putting somehow reuse better in any ways and always. So to us, uh, reduce, reuse and recycling are complementary. They go hand in hand uh, and we believe that um, they, have, uh, they have their value and their position in uh, this, uh, this regulation. Um, I just wanted to aware you that despite the good intentions, there might be some unintended consequences. Because again, Mr. Dordea um, mentioned uh, already about tested um, packaging methods, reusable packaging methods. We have tried to find in certain areas, as for instance for large appliances, but we have not found much. So it will be a nice discussion that we will have here. Um, I would be short here just to, to let you know that um, our organization, our companies are really happy to engage with all stakeholders, with uh, policymakers, really to make a PPWR successful uh, for packaging and uh, achieve its aims. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lenny. Uh, Stephen, you know, it's clear that there's no one solution to this. You know, recycling alone is not going to solve the waste crisis. But what's the, the difference uh, from your perspective on recycling and reusing packaging? What are the different issues that we're dealing with here? Well, we don't really want to make a distinction between the two. We support the prioritization of reuse systems over single-use packaging, but only where it's sensible uh, for consumers and the environment and where one, convenience, hygiene and safety can be guaranteed, and two, the, environment, the environmental impacts in the life cycle are lower than for single-use packaging. But what we really want to see in the proposal is a requirement that such reusable packaging is designed for durability and recyclability. Okay, and how practical is that, Eleni? Um, as far as uh, cardboard is concerned, um, we, are, we are fully aligned. I mean, our product is uh, fully recycled. Uh, in some cases, we may reach even 100% uh, of recycling rates. Uh, so I would be really aligned uh, with a uh, colleague here. All right, so 
cardboard's one side. Where, where do we have the fault lines when it comes to recycling and reusability then? Yeah, I would like to comment in response to what Mrs. Despoto said. We don't believe, I mean, we are, uh, the package of solutions that we brought uh, forward is uh, relying more than in the past on reuse and uh, refill. But otherwise, we feel that the mix of measures that we are proposing is fairly uh, balanced. We totally agree also with ANIC that we need to look at the carbon footprint and in a life uh, cycle uh, approach. And maybe there are, there is room for uh, improvement in some areas for some sectors when it comes to uh, reuse. Of course, uh, when we one think uh, about the uh, fast food uh, sector, probably what is uh, essential is uh, about the serving uh, on the spot. So <coughs> we uh, are engaging uh, with the Member States and with the European Parliament to fine-tune this, and we are exchanging also with the uh, industry, including Horeca, uh, in order to uh, better calibrate uh, this. But I would like uh, to make a few points uh, uh, related to what I've heard. Uh, very briefly, trust the industry, somebody said, I think it was uh, MEP uh, Torvalds, absolutely. And one of the engines or the reasons for this proposal is to help the industry draws, uh, draw the maximum of benefits from the single market. Trust, but ver verify, as some uh, US president in a completely different uh, context has uh, put it. Verify established methods in order to measure the performance and to secure the comparability. So trust, but verify. Uh, one comment about the mandatory recycled uh, content. We believe that uh, this is one of the most beneficial measures that this legislative proposal brings forward. It puts a price tag on recyclability and triggers uh, uh, even further or fuels the business uh, interest in investing uh, in this. We are aware that a number of um, collateral or complementary improvements need to take place, a better selective collection of waste in the member states in order to increase the amount of recyclates which should feed, uh, feed into the uh, fulfilling of the obligation related to mandatory recycled content. We are committed to work with this and we would like on this and we would like to associate also the industry in bilateral dialogues with member states in the uh, period uh, following the adoption uh, of the packaging regulation in order to create the real working conditions on the ground even before we come with delegated and uh, implementing uh, acts under the uh, regulation in order to make sure that the system functions well, that there is a liquidity of the secondary uh, raw material uh, markets and uh, the degree of collection is uh, significant. Health of consumers has been mentioned uh, here. Often this is weaponized as a critic against a criticism against the uh, regulation. We would like to reassure everyone, consumers and industry <coughs> alike, and non-governmental organizations, of course, but we hear this less from uh, their side, that we work hand-in-hand hand with the colleagues in charge with the, uh, uh, with the regulation uh, uh, dealing with uh, food uh, packaging uh, material in order to make sure that, uh, that uh, requirements uh, which are applicable to packaging protect the consumer. The Commission will never authorize in the future any form of packaging 
if the conditions will be not be met on a constant basis, on a long-term basis, uh, in order to protect the uh, health of the uh, consumers. And I will stop here. Thank you. Yeah. Elena, do you see that the packaging waste uh, regulation has the capacity to fit for all sectors, or is there going to be more legislation required in addition to this? So certainly I don't like if there is more regulation and more regulation, as I said at the beginning. We need some predictability for businesses. But if you allow me, I would like um, sure. just uh, to respond uh, for this, because you, you mentioned the the, the criteria for the recyclability, and uh, I think that this is what we're still missing. Uh, you know, Designed for recycling. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as, a, as a business representative, uh, and I mentioned it at the beginning, if you don't know what will be the concrete uh, criteria in the future, it's a bit difficult because we lose this momentum. We have to wait uh, for uh, investing in, in, in new processes. So th this is a bit the weak point that these delegated and implementing act are coming after the, the regulation is adopted. So uh, it, it actually is not good for, for predictability for businesses. And um, then uh, another thing, uh, the, uh, the distinction between um, recycling and, and reusing. Of course, the reuse is in, in the waste management hierarchy higher, but as I mentioned at the beginning, sometimes it doesn't make sense uh, to, to transport it very far. It makes sense to recycle it uh, uh, at the spot. So as other colleagues mentioned, I think it should be a mixture of uh, methods of processes uh, we, we use. And if it fits uh, for everything, no, certainly not. It's a challenge for regulation to, um, to look at all sectors, at all uh, materials and at all goods. And I think the member of the Europe, European Parliament highlights this uh, challenge as well. Well, he was fairly critical of the impact assessment. What are your issues with the impact assessment, Elena? So as I said, uh, the, we are still missing uh, the impact on uh, consumers' health. Okay. Uh, Just that part. Okay. And environments to take into account the entire carbon footprint on the economy. Okay. I mean, let me go to Marco first. Marco. Yeah, no, there has been many interesting points, so please feel free to get back to me if I forget anything. <laughs> but maybe one fast is, uh, one rapid but important, also from our perspective and perspective of environmental organization, we think chemicals, uh, the, the presence of chemicals of, uh, in packaging and substance of concern is an area that is not sufficiently addressed. This is, of course, valid for single use and for reuse. We, we are aware of issues particularly worrying in relation to paper-based uh, food packaging. So this is certainly an area where we would welcome uh, uh, clarity and also action, regulatory actions already in the, in the regulation. And uh, I want to go back to a point about the sustainability of packaging. So we would caution to be, um, that is a little bit more complex, to talk about sustainability of a packaging without looking at volumes and the consumption. And uh, this is uh, particularly important for packaging that has claims about renewability. Uh, we, we cannot ignore the material reality. So the renewability is inevitably linked to the stock. And we do know that in the case of forest, I'm taking forest because it's been introduced, but not to bash on this material, but we do know about the pressures on, uh, on the forest, both in Europe and uh, also in the, in the global south. So this is why we would uh, not deny the importance of achieving very good collection, very good recycling rate, very good recycled content incorporation, 
but it would be, uh, we think, dangerous and blind to ignore the upstream, to ignore the volumes. And uh, paper-based packaging has been growing faster than any of the other materials. We cannot ignore the pressure that this uh, exerts on forests and on water and on the chemicals used for the production and also for the recycling. So this is the reason why uh, we think it's interesting to talk reuse. We don't think it's a simple solution. And uh, we certainly are interested in uh, reuse systems that are well designed and that bring environmental benefits. Something that it's maybe obvious is that we wouldn't, uh, we don't really think that studies, LCA studies sponsored and uh, promoted by the industry, by the interested industry, provide a sufficiently robust basis for political decision making. And this is why we think it's uh, surprising that there is a, we see more and more of this industry strategy that come at the same time at criticism of the impact assessment. As environmental NGOs, we are very used to criticize commission impact assessment. But we have to recognize that there is more solidity and more different sources looked at in the commission impact assessment than in uh, industry studies paid by the industry that is being regulated. So this is why um, we, we, we would rather be interested, and it's a bit of the regret that we have over this uh, negotiation, um, that we had to talk about reuse or not, and uh, facing a lot of denial rather than reuse how, and how we design them in such a way that we do actually make sure the rotations are there, the logistics is optimized, and the business can do it uh, in practice. Okay, thank you, Matt. Do you want to respond to that? Yes, a lot of points. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I would, um, first of all, I would like to say that um, despite uh, the nitty-gritty details and the complexity of uh, the proposal, uh, the European Commission has proposed a quite balanced um, uh, document. However, as for the impact assessment, our regret is that we cannot really have access to to data, to assumptions, for us is a black box. And when uh, somebody uh, is allowed to make a policy recommendation that will impact industry and economies, we believe that at least uh, this kind of transparency is essential. So this is the main criticism that we are having uh, for uh, the impact assessment. Um, I come back to the volumes that you refer to about paper and board. Uh, just mentioning, yes indeed, and you recall certainly uh, in the impact assessment the graph with uh, the volumes of waste, of course without any, any consideration of the recycling rate, and without considering that what is considered as waste, it's a valuable raw material for our industry. Because when you see folded boxes in the pavements uh, to, be, um, to expect uh, collection, um, you know that our companies are buying those materials from the municipalities. They are paying to buy them. So for us, it's not waste at all. It's valuable raw material, and it's not something that we're just putting a label on this. I mean, it is, and it has a value and a price. Um, so I, I agree with you on good collection, good recycling. There are certainly ways that we can always improve, notably collection. In some member states, for instance, you have very high collection rates and others not. So certainly there is a way uh, to go there. Um, I would like also to react on the studies you mentioned by the industry. So um, certainly you, industry, as everybody, as you as well, make studies. In our case, as, um, at least, uh, we have tried to be as transparent as possible, making studies based on public, official Eurostat data, 
based on ISO standards and peer-reviewed by three individual independent peer reviewers. So what we can, can do more? I mean, it's not that every industry manipulates the results. Uh, we are trying to present our case, present our issues, and certainly every industry wants to be profitable and remain uh, producing in Europe. In our case, we are having uh, in Europe uh, around 660 plants uh, serving uh, local and regional economies, employing 100,000 people. So. Indeed, uh, it has uh, an economical value and we want to preserve it. Of course, uh, uh, trying to improve always ourselves and uh, on sustainability. And recently, as uh, you are responsible for um, decarbonization and it's in line with the Green Deal, we have produced our decarbonization roadmap by 2050 with the commitment of the industry to work uh, towards that goal. Thank you. I, um, I, do you want to respond to this just a second, just uh, before you do? Um, if you want to send some more questions, we're going to take around questions just a moment. And the hashtag on Slido is packaging, hashtag packaging. Send your questions now and we'll do a run through just after Aurel replies. Maybe two short comments, one about the follow-up uh, measures. So the Commission could not bring forward and uh, we believe that it would have been a paramount task for any uh, public authority to bring uh, forward the uh, regulatory encyclopedia of packaging and packaging waste by trying to provide uh, ultimate certainty on all the elements in one single silver bullet. This is why, depending on the political orientation which is given by the co-legislators of the European Union, the Parliament and the uh, Council, the uh, Delegated and Implementing Act will uh, follow and uh, first among uh, all those which are uh, foreseen are those related to uh, criteria for recyclability, formats, uh, uh, design for uh, recycling and uh, so on. Uh, nobody will be in the dark about uh, this and this will allow, this sequencing also allows the industry the possibility to uh, adapt over time and to plan. Nobody will be kept in the dark, we will organize public consultations, we will make an impact assessment and we need the industry and the consumers around the table when the Commission will consult on uh, criteria uh, on design for recycling and uh, so on. The second comment is intimately related to these follow-up uh, measures in a way and to the regulatory philosophy uh, in this uh, area. It's about chemicals and some have expressed here dissatisfaction and a certain uh, worry uh, that chemicals are not uh, and which are uh, harmful for the consumers and making uh, packaging harder to recycle are not regulated in detail in this legislative proposal. So it should be. The home of chemicals regulation is a rich regulation and we will rely in the future, as we do now, on the chemicals agency of the European Union and on the regulatory processes under reach in order to take the necessary measures which will be applicable for, uh, for uh, packaging where there are restrictions necessary to be complementary and to be packaging specific but complementary to the regulatory processes under the REACH regulation, we will act in the delegated and implementing uh, acts in order to uh, facilitate the manufacturing of packaging, recycling and uh, so on. But the home of recycling and the, uh, the discussion, uh, sorry, of the home of chemical uh, regulation should remain REACH. We need this uh, political and intellectual discipline 
uh, and we need to keep this uh, contained. And uh, strong essences, as the French uh, say, are kept in separate jars. Thank you. Okay, uh, first question to Eleni, and it's from Konstantinos Malandrinos. Is there a need to extend recycled content targets uh, to paper packaging as per some amendments tabled in the European Parliament? Plastics is the case as it has low inputs of recycled material uptake. Yeah, um, we have indeed made a consultation with our industry because we have assessed the amendments and um, what uh, the, the feedback we had from our industry is that uh, uh, 89 to 90 percent is, uh, let's say, the limit that they can reach so far. So to go even beyond will be quite difficult, uh, although our industries are trying uh, to find ways to do so. Difficult for the moment is the answer. Okay. Anyone else to add to that? Okay, let's go on, uh, Aurel, you have a bunch of questions here. So, will you please tell us about the content of the JRC study on the reuse targets currently being conducted? Will it only focus on the Horeca sector or will it have a broader scope? That's from Emma Kirkby-Teneo. When it will be ready, we will release it to the public and not keep it under, in our drawers. <laughs> Any idea of what it might look like? Mm, I wouldn't go that far because it would be a slippery road. <laughs> Let me encourage you to go down a slippery road then. Um, okay, um, let's try another question with you then. So for the, the impact assessment. So this one comes from Elena Friestersch. And so the AI, the impact assessment states that the reuse ratio a number of times of reuse, is decisive regarding the environmental impact compared to uh, SU plastic or paper packaging. Why does the proposal not include clear provisions on how to monitor and ensure a sufficient reuse uh, ratio by consumers? We I don't have uh, an answer off the cuff uh, on this. We need to reflect. We will reflect on the opportunity to be more specific about uh, this. We have heard some proposals from some industries which uh, are competing with the paper industry, and we thought that this would uh, imbalance uh, things on the market. But we will ref continue to reflect on this. Okay. Any other comments on this? Marco. Maybe just a quick reaction is that, uh, of course, there would be merit in having this discussion because uh, there is a risk of creating a grey zone or some single use that is a little bit thicker or it just gets printed, reusable, and then we do end up in a worse position than we are today. So, uh, indeed, this is, uh, this is interesting and it's important that we have reuse systems that do get the breaker point, that do get the rotation that are needed. For transport packaging, I know that also the the reuse transport uh, industry is working on the on this number, and again, they will have to be assessed by the policymakers. Okay, question from Lance Marshall. What about biodegradable packaging materials or recycling at the waste management plant? Well, uh, there is a dis uh, discussion uh, ongoing in the council, and uh, the presidency has brought forward something on this. The discussion was not yet conclusive. Uh, it's a very fresh uh, discussion, which has uh, started, I think, only at the end of last uh, week. We are reflecting about this. It is important to give a positive signal to uh, uh, a biodegradable and not bioplastics in general. I okay. think uh, I was a little bit uh, confused on bioplastics. I meant on biodegradable plastics. We have a very um, um, rather um, 
short list of biodegradable uh, elements because, in general, it is considered that, I mean, uh, only a limited number of items should go for biodegradability. Uh, biodegradability entails release of uh, carbons. It's not advantageous to work uh, on this principle uh, on a very large uh, scale. Okay, thank you. Um, Marco, maybe you'll have a go at this one. How many billions of new pieces of plastic uh, packaging will need to be manufactured and how many billions of cube, cubic meters of water, you mentioned water earlier, will be used to clean this plastic if we are to meet the PPWR objectives from David Higgins? Okay. Thank you very much. So this is a, it's fascinating to receive these questions because uh, as European Environmental Bureau, we are working on the revision of packaging rules as part of an alliance that is called Refrain Plastics Alliance. And then uh, looking at the, at the EU packaging rules, we immediately realized the risks of false solutions being promoted. And then the, the, the war between packaging materials actually being exploited for this kind of, this kind of argument. And uh, l let me be very clear, I don't consider this argument to be constructive at all. But nevertheless, we can try to have a constructive uh, discussion here. Um, the confusion of these, uh, of these questions also plays in the case of transport packaging. We're talking of reusable transport packaging made of plastics, which operates within a system. And the nature of reuse systems is that they ensure the collection of the packaging at the, at the, at the end of, his, of each cycle. So when we evoke images of plastics in the sea, we're not really talking about reuse systems, which are designed to bring back packaging and do ensure higher collection rates, even higher in the case that are already operating in Europe, even higher than the already very high collection rates of single-use paper transport packaging. So we don't see uh, an issue of littering. Actually, reuse systems uh, are a solution to littering. Of course, the business-to-business -business because of the nature of the systems, but also the business-to-consumers because in our reuse systems, the reusable packaging will be associated with a deposit and hence we will be able to uh, significantly improve the collection and address mismanagement of waste and littering. Thank you. Elena, and, and then to, to Stephen as well, the, you were talking at the bigger scale largely here, but small businesses uh, represent the majority of the manufacturers here. So how are small businesses supposed to adapt to this in any sensible time scale? Elena. Uh, it's very difficult for them. So we, we I'm, I'm coming from a chamber of commerce, so we represent uh, really a very large scale of businesses from this different sector and from different sides, but mainly SMEs. And what we hear is that they really will uh, have a lot of problems with that. It means a lot of costs for them uh, because you need to, to collect. If we speak about our use, you, you need to collect the products. You need to store them somewhere. Uh, and of course, you need to transport them somewhere else. So uh, this is uh, a challenge for them. And uh, I think that some of them will actually leave the market because of it. Some or many? What we hear, it's many, but let's see. Okay, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, we want the regulation to be effective. So therefore, we have to understand the difficulties of business transitioning to these, uh, the new regulation and particularly SMEs. So on the other hand, we can't wait forever. We've got to find that balance. And I think that's something that's got to be discussed in the coming weeks and months. An effective regulation, not a rushed one, but in the end, we want that regulation. But I must just come, I've been too English, too polite, I think. I must just come back to the commission and the remark about reach. Reach is a very good 
baseline, but it's not enough. It didn't prove to be enough in protecting children from dubious chemicals in the standards for toys. Uh, the Commission had to take uh, subsequent Commission decisions to actually exclude those. And it's just the same here. We don't think reach is enough. It's either got to be in this regulation or it's got to be in the delegated acts. What we don't want to see, and it happened too often, with the present directive, we don't want to see these sort of decisions delegated to the private standards bodies uh, where we have relatively little influence. It's got to be for the regulation. Regulation is what you need to do, standardization, how to do it. It shouldn't be setting the limits. Okay, just to, for your response, Laura, uh, we have a question on this from Emily Best, and she said, considering the Ombudsman opened an inquiry into the very concerning quotation, uh, length of time to uh, introduce reach restrictions and that the Commission's proposals on the reach and FCM reforms are both delayed, why can't the PPWR allow for action on chemicals like uh, PFAS, uh, bisphenols, etc., commonly, uh, uh, commonly modelled? I think, uh, so I certainly agree with, uh, and we agree, uh, that this should not be for standardization. This should be where reach is not sufficient uh, for subsequent uh, delegated or implementing uh, acts, but uh, it won't make a difference if we move everything uh, here. If the, uh, there is indeed an investigation from the Ombudsman, the criticism is uh, justified. We need to think about what measures can be taken uh, in order to improve the functioning of the system. And this is, part, uh, this is one of the objectives of the REACH revision that is planned for, to be brought forward for later this year. But it won't make a difference if we duplicate and if we move the problem uh, in a system where still uh, the role of ECA will be important and the role of the Commission will be important. So it will be a parallel track with the same actors. Can you run uh, with the same uh, horizontality? Can you run faster on the corridor parallel uh, to you? No, you will run in the same way. So you need to preserve consistency. And where complementary action in substance is necessary, we will act under the regulation. Okay, slightly lighter question from Marine Fuzon. She says, room service in hotels needs to be considered as takeaway and many proportions packaging allowed or you'll have coffee without milk, as it should be, <coughs> and sugar also as it should be, and burger without tomato sauce, it should be with tomato sauce. Any other views on that? So <laughs> the Horak Hospitality Europe. So we're talking about the smaller end of the scale. So we're, again, we're looking at macro things. Small elements like this as well, they, they add up and they add up quickly. And you know, as a as non-milk user, non-sugar user, especially in this country, it comes on my plate every time, and it just I'm sure goes it back into the bin afterwards as well. Do we need to regulate at this level, panel? So, sorry, please. Go I'm ahead. not sure I, I fully understood the questions, but uh, I want to make maybe a more general point. Sure. That um, <clears throat> when uh, we claim to be supportive of the goals of this uh, regulation, the goals are very clear: is to try and reduce change the direction of the curve of packaging waste generation and reduce packaging waste. And then uh, if actually we start watering down little by little uh, all of the measures we, uh, we will have a target, we will have a target that we will never reach and we all know that. So even if it's uh, at the moment a moderate target, a 5% waste reduction, if you start watering down the reuse targets and the bans, which I think where is the, this, uh, um, this question is directive, uh, we are not credible. 
and we are not allowing member states to do uh, packaging waste uh, prevention. Perhaps one more word on the sure, bans. Go ahead. Uh, the bans of uh, our targeting single-use application, which are widely recognized to be unnecessary and avoidable, for which packaging less or reusable packaging solutions exist. So we, we sort of feel uh, this is even lower than the low-hanging fruit. This is sort of the fruit that has already landed in your, in your hand. And uh, we have many member states that are already regulating on this. Uh, we really feel uh, maybe now it's time to look at the low-hanging fruit and not at the one that is already there picked. Okay. Thank you. Elena, the role of public education in this, where does that sit uh, for you? Yeah. Um, definitely it's quite important and I believe it's, it's a bit neglected uh, because everybody considers uh, the ideal world uh, and the behaviour, the, the, the normal behaviour of uh, citizens should be that they do everything perfectly and I believe this is neglected and we take the, the good behaviour as, as granted so that everybody will behave as it should. But um, I wanted to, to uh, react on what uh, my colleague Mr. Musso sure. said uh, before regarding the question uh, from, uh, from the participants. Uh, you referred to uh, transport uh, packaging and you referred to the question was about the production of uh, plastic uh, packaging, by the way. Um, and when I spoke in the beginning of my talk on unintended consequences, I was mending exactly this that although it's not meant to produce more plastic, the only material that can substitute uh, corrugated uh, packaging in transport is plastic, which means that you will require billions of new plastic packaging uh, flood the market. And something which, of course, is against uh, the, the objectives of, it, of uh, the regulation and against uh, the Green Deal. Um, so we cannot neglect uh, this uh, by no means uh, and we have to keep in mind that when we talk uh, <laughs> about reusable packaging we need to have uh, this, uh, this in mind. And uh, something which is quite important is end of life. Please consider that whatever the material, packaging material, it will come to an end of life. What comes next? What's the, the, the collection? How much, how big is the collection uh, in all member states? How much is recycled? When do you do with the rest? So it's not about reuse is a panacea and we'll solve all problems. By, sorry, but by listening to Mr. Musso, we believe that if we do reuse packaging, we solve all our problems. We don't have uh, littering uh, in the beaches. We don't have uh, any waste anymore. So I am more moderate, let's say, and I would, um, I would uh, adhere with the Commission proposal, which is a bit more balanced uh, on it. Okay, Marco, I guess you want to reply to that? Yes, yes, please. So, uh, if we're talking about transport packaging and we look at the proposal, uh, actually, of course, there's different views on this, uh, but one could say it's a moderate proposal. It's a very low target for 2030, trying to give a chance to reusable packaging in the e-commerce sector. At 10%. This is trying to give a chance for usable packaging in the e-commerce. Um, so when we hear unintended consequences will be flooded of plastics, we do, we do get questions if these arguments are not a bit disingenuous, uh, because reuse systems for transport, again, are part of a system, which uh, means that the, the packaging is used multiple times, and of course it has to be used well after the break, the break point from an environmental perspective. So 
after multiple rotation, the reusable packaging will have environmental performance that are better than single use. And I, I refer to littering because the, the nature of a reusable packaging of this part of a system for reuse, which is a logistical system that ensure that at the end of one use, not at the end of its life, at the end of one use is returned, if necessary washed, if necessary repaired and put again in use, uh, makes it uh, very unlikely for it to be littered and to end up, for example, in the environment. So this is a, why I referred. One of the clear advantage of reusable systems is indeed the prevention of littering and of mismanaged waste. Perhaps something that I got lost, uh, but I, I do repeat it, is that we refer to well-designed reuse systems. And uh, we understand that in this well-designed, there's a lot. And there's a lot of the good discussion that we need to have uh, around this regulation. So indeed, when I say well-designed, is a system that works and it works to the point where we start having environmental benefits. And that's the point uh, where the environmental benefits are holistic and where the material wars between glass, paper, plastic, metals matters less because we did reach the point where the overall environmental performance is improved. Okay, uh, Elena, the, the, the idea that uh, design will in large part solve this problem as well, but this ties to public education as well. You know, how do we design good public education and how do uh, companies respond in terms of good design models as well? You know, does this need to have come from the commission? Is this a national approach? Is this a consumer approach? How would you lead with this? I would come back to the question you, you asked, sure. the information uh, of consumers. I mean, it, it's really um, a task of each of us to sort the waste, to refill and to reuse. We, we've learned how to sort the waste. I think now it's a second step also to refill and, and reuse. The plastics are with us since 80 years, I think. Our predecessors lived without them. So maybe we might return to the gestures or habits they had. But the question is, as I said at the beginning, the, with the economic growth, we consume more and we produce more waste. So we should also think about ourselves, what we want. And sometimes the consumer can make a change, can make a pressure on, on the producer. So this is, uh, I think, very important. But do you think the consumer understands the process? So they go into the supermarket, they see the apples. There's no packaging. Um, but they don't appreciate that, that those apples have been transported halfway around the world, probably. And they've been wrapped in different uh, forms of, of uh, protective uh, covering, and then somebody in the back uh, of the warehouse brings them out and unpacks them, and then we go into the recycling process. You know, the consumer doesn't think that way, do they? So, in terms of public education, what's needed? Um, if it's very unlikely we're going to go back to our, our uh, previous lifestyles, um, so how does the consumer start to make those choices when they really don't see the whole whole process? But you said you need to educate them. Okay. Uh, there there are different campaigns like buy local food, local products, and you can also do this uh, by supporting um, uh, zero um, zero packaging shops. Uh, what we have, so it must be rather like a positive motivation than oblige someone to do uh, something because sometimes you will not implement it, neither enforce it. So let, let's do it rather in a positive way. You can also use fiscal schemes uh, that reduce the price. Sometimes sure. the consumers, of course, buy because it's cheaper and they don't, they don't think about, you know, it comes from the other part of the world and it traveled and there is a big carbon footprint. So I think it must be positive motivation and education of consumers. Stephen. 
Well, yes, consumer information is, of course, important, but let's look at today. Uh, I mentioned the survey done for Bayok. Uh, that was of ordinary consumers in the street. It wasn't activists who were interviewed. And people are sensitised to the issue of packaging and packaging waste already. The problem is, of course, it's not the consumer who decides the packaging that's used for the product. That's in the hands of the producer. And even though we've had the directive in place since 1994, consumers are sensitised, we are still getting products deliver. I mean, for instance, I bought a particular product the other day. This morning I opened it. Uh, it has, um, it had two uh, plastic uh, containers, uh, each for four items. One uh, contained three, one contained two, so there were empty spaces in this packaging. And, but we as consumers can't affect that. Uh, it's really in the hands of the producer, and that's why even with consumer information, it's no um, substitute for legislation. I would like just to react on what you have said. <laughs> uh, you mentioned twice that it's in the hands of the producer. It's not in the hands of the producer because the producer has a client who is the retailer who is responsible for the packaging. So the producers of packaging, in fact, have a certain uh, criteria to respect that uh, their client impose them. So, for instance, even if you take uh, all of us, uh, we have experienced an e-commerce uh, delivery, a huge package and inside a tiny thing. It's not the, con the, the producer of the package which is to blame because he has an order to produce X packages, for instance, or that size. And um, he, the, the retailer will decide which kind of packaging for probably, probably economies of scale. He may use one certain type of packaging uh, in order to avoid costs, etc. So it's not the producer. The producer has a client who is the retailer who asks for the packaging. I'm happy to say the supplier then. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aurel wants to respond as well, please. Yeah, maybe an alternative and listening to the valid points by the different um, uh, colleagues who intervene uh, here and uh, who turn the light on the role of different uh, actors, I think we need to uh, have in mind uh, national campaigns which are uh, waged by associations of producers, consumers, organizations, and environmental uh, NGOs and public authorities. These are very important. And we should cover uh, awareness about manufacturing, packaging, packaging minimization, also selective collection and the labeling and uh, things like this. Uh, but uh, there should be a discussion also between manufacturers of packaging and the users. Uh, the uh, companies which place products uh, on the markets which require packaging. And this is a, let's say, business-to-business -business dialogue about compliance with uh, requirements of the uh, regulation. Maybe we need to take a closer look uh, as well and to think about how certain obligations are, uh, will be really enforced uh, in the future. Uh, we'll, we'll have this in mind as uh, we still are uh, discussing this uh, legislative proposal. Emerson, on this? I can be very quick because I agree with uh, actually most that has been, uh, of what has been said. 
perhaps I just wanted to make a link with the definition of recycling and uh, all the measures that the proposal puts uh, on recyclability because we consider that an important aspect for consumers or rather we can say citizens uh, is actually to close the gap between theoretical recyclability and then uh, recycling practice and what happens really after they sorted because uh, this is a cause of frustration they do have uh, they do receive a lot of packaging in some cases uh, more than they would like uh, but in any case they are asked uh, to sort it and without trust that this will actually be recycled and we know there's a very big big gap a lot of uh, packaging that is theoretically recyclable that is being incinerated or landfilled. So hopefully Article 6 can close this gap and then it will be way easier to engage citizens because they credibly know that a recyclable packaging is really recycled in practice. We're not there yet, but hopefully the regulation okay. can help. Thank you. So we have a question from Berto Rodondo, uh, essentially to RL, but we can put it to the rest of the panel. So the Commission's proposal wants to ban all packaging for fresh fruit and vegetables under 1.5 uh, kilograms. What are the reasons behind this proposal? Has the Commission the data uh, to back up this proposal? And I would add, why not standardize certain types of, of product much more specifically? For example, and, you know, except for all the Italians in the room, some of us buy pizzas which are, are frozen. It happens. And <laughs> we know that the standardization for these is fairly ridiculous. Some will come with polystyrene base, some will come with uh, corrugated uh, uh, paper base, some are wrapped in plastic, uh, some are just sold in, in plastic wrapping, others have a box and a box inside. You know, that seems fairly ridiculous. Why can't that be standardized? And, and uh, let's, uh, where's the data for the 1.5 kilograms? Uh, the data are in the much-hated impact assessment, which still contains <laughs> maybe what is hidden, what is uh, hidden. What is not available to the public is the economic model for reasons related to intellectual property. But otherwise, the data and the scenarios and the combinations of different measures uh, in alternative scenarios are available uh, there, including for this uh, measure. And the logic is very simple. And uh, uh, this is one of the many solutions in this regulation which are actually tested in practice. If you go in a number of shops, the name of which, but uh, these are big chains of shops uh, here in Belgium. I will not uh, advertise uh, them by uh, using their names. You see these solutions in operation without any mandatory uh, rules uh, yet. They operate and they are effective and the consumer is protected. The food waste is averted uh, and uh, nobody loses uh, from this. So this shows it perfectly works. Why are they incentivized to do that? Why have they made the decision to do that when it's not required? Unnecessary packaging. This is avoidable packaging. But is, that, is there a cost benefit to them in that or is this simply part of their sustainability? Yes, goal? it's a cost which is unnecessary and which is thrown on the shoulders of the consumer or in the pockets of the consumer because this packaging, no matter how thin it is, it costs maybe two cents, uh, and which is averted. Two cents for the customer in Germany, maybe it's not too much. Uh, two cents in the, for the customer in Romania is more. Uh, the customers who earn less, ma this matters more for them. And the producers do not lose. Uh, there are exemptions in the regulation for those fruits uh, which are uh, perishable and more vulnerable, essentially the berries, uh, um, uh, they can still be wrapped in uh, packaging. But for the apples and the bananas of this world, 
we see them on a regular basis, they need no packaging. Okay, does the supply chain conversation happen in your experience where <coughs> the supermarket is buying from the, the farmer or the, and, and the farmers come to you and say, look, we need to save two cents on the packaging, um, how do we work this out? Is that kind of design and uh, consultation process active on a large scale? I'm sure it happens occasionally, but is, is it a normal thing? Uh, on a large scale, I wouldn't say. Certainly, there is uh, there are discussions between uh, producers and clients of the producers, sure. big uh, big supermarkets, etc. Uh, we have tried, but uh, for the time being, we were not successful to open the doors of the big supermarkets and big suppliers to to discuss with us. So that's interesting, I think, because the big supermarkets super price sensitive, yeah. and at the same time, uh, they should be able to pass that cost saving on to the consumer but the consumer has a certain expectation about how they're going to receive their products, right? So, uh, Stephen and Elena in particular, you know, how do you, you square this? How do we resolve that equation? Stephen? I think to quote the MEP, that's difficult. It's a, it's a question to which, head. yeah, I have to do that too. It's a question uh, that there isn't an easy answer to, uh, but it's something, again, that we need to look at in the coming weeks and months. Perhaps we can't solve it, but certainly it's something we need to consider. Okay. Elena? Same? Same. <laughs> Does the Commission have an opinion? Is it that complex? Would you the not same. understand? The same. All more tolerant on this than I am. Uh, we are buying time. There are answers which need uh, further reflection and not shooting from the hip. Mm -hmm. and yes. We will come with uh, solutions later together. It's not the commission which uh, holds uh, the holy grail and the secret of this. We will have to exchange with the industries, but we will try to come with something, with an answer which is uh, practicable and practicable and meaningful. Okay, but shooting from the hips is more fun, you have to admit. Yes. <laughs> the only solution is for pizza. You have to buy it in pizzeria. The, this is, I don't object to that policy either. Yeah. Um, support your local business. So uh, Jenna Inch also sends a question. This is interesting. What might be some of the potential ramifications on bilateral and or multilateral trade with third countries holding free trade agreements to the European Union if the Commission's proposed regulation comes into effect and how might these ramifications be mitigated? So, uh, There's a deep question in Yes, in essence, I mean, uh, or as far as I can uh, uh, answer uh, right now, the requirements, and this is what we are communicating already to a number of third countries uh, which are in contact uh, with us, including major producers of uh, packaging, uh, we are telling them, you need to meet the uh, conditions and criteria that are defined by this regulation and by the uh, subsequent implementing uh, act. You are welcome to participate in the public consultations and in shaping these rules. Participate with uh, facts and figures uh, to the debate. But, uh, and we have discussed with our colleagues in charge of uh, the, the customs cooperation. We will mobilize the customs authorities in order to control at the borders as much as uh, possible. And uh, we are mobilizing and we are in contact with our colleagues in charge of a uh, single market in DigiGrow in order to work in the future, once this regulation is adopted, with the market surveillance authorities, because it will be indispensable that the inspectors in the member states go uh, on a sampling uh, uh, basis in the shops to uh, check the uh, compliance and sanction equally 
the European manufacturers and the third country uh, and the uh, yeah third countries uh, uh, providers. Uh, actually, the importers will bear the responsibility. Do we have the enforcement capability for that? It will be very challenging, and we will see what That's can no. be done. Uh, yeah, no, no, this, no, it's not a no. It's uh, it's that it is uh, difficult, okay. but uh, not impossible. Any further comments on this? Yeah, I'd just like to follow up on that sure. one, Brian. Um, I think uh, the comment was made. I've heard the comment. I think it was a year active interview with you, which said um, Don't do your uh, the directive hasn't been implemented very well by the member states, so what is the point of screwing them harder? I mean, this is going to be the problem. What is going to be, what is going to be the point of the regulation if it's not implemented? <coughs> is the expectation yeah. of the Commission towards the member states? Yeah. No, but uh, my message is not that we will let uh, off the hook the surveillance of the market and the member states. We will work with them. Yeah? But I'm not saying that this is going to be easy or that this proposal come uh, in a package with 100,000 more officials across the European Union which will focus on, or 10,000 uh, which will focus only on the verification of the packaging. So we will have to work on this but uh, I totally agree enforcement is important. You wanted to get me in trouble. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no, no, um, to heat me up, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions, send them right now. We're uh, running out of time. So we have one question here from, for Marco from Nathalie Le, uh, Lepinek. What does EEB think about the practical case in France? Uh, reusable solutions for e-commerce currently available are based on flex. Reusable solutions for e-commerce currently available are based on flexible, package, fle flexible plastic packaging being shipped back and forth. Flexible plastics need to be chemically recycled, usually with fossil fuel input. Is there a successful reuse model? So thanks. I am uh, not uh, necessarily an expert of, uh, of the French case. And uh, the fact that uh, we have a limited uptake of reusable in e-commerce is also proven uh, by the incredibly low target that we have to 2030. So it's clear, it seems also clear from the Commission work that that's an area where we are sort of trying to create a regulatory space where innovators in the reusable industry can uh, work on the solutions. Uh, what we think uh, it will, uh, why we think it's important to have a reuse target is to give them a chance to innovate and to bring the solution and to prove the case for a use uh, that works. So I, I will not comment on that specific application. Okay. Only, of course, uh, you can always find a very problematic uh, single-use packaging application, and the same is absolutely true for EU systems, we will unfortunately also be able to always point at the worst performance also in the EU space. Okay, our last question before we wrap up is from Gaspar uh, Van der Wood uh, to Aurel, first of all. In relation to recycled content target, uh, the Council has been discussing swapping recycled content with biomass content. What is the Commission's perspective on this issue? I th um, this is the um 
my misunderstanding earlier on when okay. uh, somebody asked about biodegradable. It's a recent proposal. It has its merits. We need to craft it uh, properly in order to basically not dilute the importance of uh, economic importance uh, of recycled uh, content. So if uh, biodegradable plastics get in, we need to raise the uh, level of uh, the targets. Uh, but uh, I, the presidency has put uh, this on the table mm, without consulting with the commission, but this is not a drama and I will <laughs> not complain about uh, this. We need to be kept on our toes. Uh, but uh, the member states have not uh, yet, uh, there is no clear majority in favor or against uh, this. So the discussion is ongoing. In principle, it's a promising uh, element, but we need to tailor it uh, well in order not to undermine the effectiveness of certain obligations. Thank you. Let's do our wrap-up. <coughs> start with Eleni. Yeah. Um, so, as I said before, reuse uh, and recycling uh, together, hand-in-hand, hand for uh, to be considering the packaging and packaging waste regulation. Certainly, reuse has its place uh, into the market, uh, but there is no perfect system as described by Mr. Musso. So, um, we need to consider also the reality of the market. Uh, uh, consumer behavior is key as well. And yes, we are at your disposal if you have any, any question to yeah. answer. Thank you. Stephen? Well, we certainly need to act. We hear that uh, the growth in packaging waste is outgrowing uh, the growth in GDP. Um, we need it to be implemented. We understand the problems, particularly the SMEs, but we need to work hand in hand to overcome those, those problems and to find solutions. Ideally, we want the proposal amended by the co-regulators to focus on the prevention of waste. We haven't really talked about that so much, but from our perspective, the proposal looks too much at recycling and reuse. Uh, of course, we want the elimination of hazardous chemicals from the outset, and certainly the elimination of hazardous chemicals from recycled materials. Packaging waste uses resources in its manufacturing causes pollution in its disposal. We need to be rid of it as far as possible. I would usually say we need to consign it to the dustbin of history, but I don't think that's really appropriate yeah, when we're talking there. about waste. Thank you, Thank Marco. Mm. So, to conclude, I would just point at uh, perhaps the lessons that we can learn from what didn't work. As we're now trying to revise these rules to make it work, we should definitely avoid the mistakes that uh, were done in the past. So, I, I will try to be very quick on this. One is uh, ignoring, ignore, ignoring upstream and only focusing on marginal improvements of collection and recycling as proven not to work to continue uh, would not work again. And uh, the, the second bit is uh, the enforceability. It has been referred to, it, this directive was not easy to implement. It was not enforced in practice. We need this to change. And so uh, the focus and the debate should also be on the enforceability. What doesn't help implementation and enforcement is to carve out all kind of derogation of exceptions, because this does complicate it. And unfortunately, we see already that this is the case. Um, and we would really urge the decision makers to not add further, uh, further exemptions and further derogation. And um, then the final point um, will be really about the timing. 
and uh, it will be easy to characterize NGO uh, positions as uh, dreamy and uh, rushed. We don't, we're not dreamy, we don't want a rush process, but we are convinced that it's high time to revise the EU packaging rules, which everybody agrees that don't work. Mm -hmm. So the last point is, don't waste time. We would really urge decision makers to conclude the work before the, Euro the European elections. Mm -hmm. And on this, I think industry, certainly consumers, and everybody uh, agrees. So let's not postpone it and, and deal with the packaging waste crisis right now. Thank you, Marco. Alena. So to wrap up, uh, the way how to reuse the waste must be decided by the member states. Uh, everyone has to take his or her responsibility in this task, so it should not be put only on the shoulders of businesses. The businesses need certainty and predictability, so Commission please avoid the trial and error method, and uh, the consumer's house should prevail over the environmental issues. Thank you. Well, 30 seconds. Yeah, uh, so uh, we need to change something radically in the light of the tendency trends uh, that we noticed uh, over the past 10-15 years, and the time of change, indeed, it's now. It's the end of extensive developments and the extensive use of resources in the area. We need to think about intensive methods, to put it in a very uh, short way. And there will be uh, some businesses which will be forced to abandon expansive uh, approaches. I think they should engage uh, in the uh, process. We need a regulation. And we need a regulation which has a single market legal basis and which does not allow for too many exemptions. And, those, and this is a message also for the member states, for those who think that uh, we should tailor all kinds of derogations, allowing them uh, to come forward with higher targets, with more ambitious measures, with more ambitious uh, requirements. This will refragment the single market. If we want to draw the economic and environmental benefits of the scale of this market and to satisfy the consumers, we need to keep this compact. And uh, it, uh, the legislative proposal strikes a fair balance around, uh, uh, between a range of measures which address the entire life cycle of uh, packaging. Keep it like this. Some fine-tuning is possible, but let's keep the balance of the overall package. Thank you, Aurel. And thank you to our studio audience, our online audience, for the great participation, all the questions in today. Uh, thank you to our excellent uh, panel, a really thorough discussion, and I uh, appreciate being able to take all the questions uh, so well today. And to FEFCO for the uh, support uh, for the program, uh, thank you. But also to the, your active team that uh, work behind the scenes. You don't see them. We have Malta, Zoran, and Wilson in the studio. Uh, behind me, production with Bonya, and uh, Tamara and Anna and the events team, but also thanks uh, to the social media team. Uh, so that's our discussion on packaging all wrapped up. I wish you a good afternoon. I'm Brian McGuire.